Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. I am your host, Daniel Gundlach, and I am thrilled to share with you the opera and classical singers about whom I am most passionate. I hope that when you hear these voices, you might echo me in saying, God, I love her, or God, I love him. Now, Without any further ado, I bring you this week's episode. everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Counter Melody. I'm very happy to be with you, but sad to introduce the number that you just heard. That was the American soprano Arlene Saunders, who died this past week of COVID-19 at the age of 89. I understand she had not been in good health, but nevertheless, it's sad to see yet another great artist go that way. Thankfully, we do have a number of live recordings, particularly in which we can hear and celebrate the artistry and voice of Arlene Saunders. That was Richard Strauss's Die Liebe der Danae in a 1980 performance with Charles McCarris conducting the BBC Symphony Orchestra. It's a wonderful recording. I would say it's probably the best recording out there of that magnificent piece which, if you don't know it, is in some ways the height of Strauss's late operatic output. It ranks up there with your other very favorites, whichever those might happen to be. If it's Capriccio or Daphne or, God forbid, Friedenstag. (laughs) 
I don't think that's anyone's favorite. But that was Arlene Saunders, and she spent many years fest in Hamburg, where she was justly celebrated and revered. She finally made a belated Met debut in 1976 as Eva in Meistersinger. Unfortunately, that was the only role that she ever sang at the Met, though she did do a guest appearance as Anne Trulove in Stravinsky's Rake's Progress when the Hamburgische Staatsoper visited the Met in, I believe it was 1968, which exists in a very impressive performance indeed. That also features her colleagues Lauren Driscoll and Tatiana Troianos, two other great American artists who also were fest in Hamburg. She sang all of the dramatisch repertoire throughout the world, and I particularly treasure her in Strauss. There's a beautiful recording in not terrific sound of her doing the four last songs that's, well, it's not the most inspired conducting, but her voice is ideal for those songs. I mean, it is ideal. And you hear what a wonderful Danae that she was as well. Another role in which she was brilliant, for instance, was Agathe in Der Freischütz. There's a film of that. I think there's a film of her also from Hamburg doing Countess in Notzi di Figaro. She didn't leave so many recordings. There's one Mozart recording of Il Re Pastore with Lucia Pop and Rary Grist from 1967, very early in her career. But even at the very beginning of her career, she was singing roles like Giorgetta in Il Tabarro. A very important uh, creation on her part was in 1971, she created the title role in Gina Stera's Beatrix Cenci. I would die to find, well, maybe not literally die, I would so love to find a recording of that. I've been searching for it for some time. I don't know if it exists. Somebody must have snuck a microphone in there and gotten a recording of it at some point. She also repeated it at City Opera later on. She was celebrated as Minnie in La Fanchula del West, which she also sang at Covent Garden. She was a wonderful Wagnerian. She sang Elsa, particularly in Lohengrin. That was really a fabulous role of hers. Anyway, rest in peace, Arlene Saunders. We are very grateful to you for everything that you brought us. Now, today, I don't have a lot of time to put the episode together, but I do have a wonderful LP that was given to me recently by my former voice teacher, Joan Kaplan, and her signature is on the back here, and she obtained this shortly after it was released. It is Fedora Barbieri sings old Italian songs and airs. I was never a big Fedora Barbieri fan until I heard this, and I really changed my mind about this singer. I remember her doing some late career, very blousy, horrible singing at the Met. Although I've had to revise my opinion about that as well. We'll cover that towards the end of the episode. Anyway, here's something from very early on, even before she recorded this album in 1953. This is her singing Voce di Donna from La Gioconda, the beautiful aria of La Cica, the mother of La Gioconda. This is Fedora Barbieri singing that in a 1948 recording.
I think it's safe to say that Fedora Barbieri was not the vocal paragon that Giulietta Simeonato was. She went through a number of vocal crises in her career and, in fact, went large chunks of time without singing. However, her career did extend from start to finish for more than 40 years. She was best known, probably, for her Verdi, but... I have to confess, there were certain parts that were simply outside of her vocal technical grasp. One of the primary ones was Eboli in Don Carlo, which she sang at her Met debut in 1950 in that legendary production that also featured Pierling in the title role and Cesare Siepi as Filippo. She's not so good, though. And you can hear from the same recording session, I think, as the Gioconda aria that we just heard, she attempts O Don Fatale and really can't get through it. Her voice on the high C flat just curdles, and it's right there for everyone to hear. Trust me, I'm not going to play it, but just take my word for it. One can certainly say that her best Verdi role was not coincidentally Dame Quickly in Falstaff. For one thing, she has a wonderful way of dealing with the text. This was part of her early training, and you hear how wonderfully she handles that. The other thing that was really in her favor in the role of Quickly is that it was a very low role, so her vocal vulnerabilities were never really exposed. So even after several vocal collapses, she could still sing quickly and did it wonderfully and memorably. Everyone loved her in that. Another role in which she excelled was the Principessa in Suar Angelica. And we're going to hear a recording at the very end of her final Met performance in that very role. But Eboli, Amneris, and increasingly Azucena were simply outside of the realm of her vocal possibilities. It's interesting to consider. I think that this recording of old Italian songs and airs represents her at her absolute peak. I think she shaved a few years off of her age, but nevertheless, she's in her early 30s here. I'm going to share the back liner notes with you, and then we'll just jump right in and listen to the recording, okay? Fedora Barbieri, the eminently gifted metropolitan opera star, has reached the top of her profession at the early age of 30. Actually, she's about 33 or 34, but who's counting? She didn't arrive there the hard way either. Fedora Barbieri started at the top, for when at the age of 18 she presented herself at the famous competition organized by the Florence Music Festival, she immediately won a scholarship there and three months later was singing the leads in Cimarosa's The Secret Marriage and in Verdi's Il Trovatore at the Teatro Comunale in Florence. And she had only studied for one year previously in Trieste. Madame Barbieri was an immediate sensation and within the year had sung at La Scala Milan, at the Royal Opera in Rome, and at the San Carlo in Naples, the three most formidable bastions of music in the Italian peninsula. There hasn't been a season at La Scala where Barbieri has not sung at least 20 performances, and at the age of 30, she has sung there the leads in Carmen, Samson and Delilah, Aida, Il Trovatore, Falstaff, Prince Igor, Kovanschina, Adriana Le Couvreur, Generentola, The Secret Marriage, Gluck's Orfeo, the masked ball, and innumerable others. Her great talent is not confined to opera alone. Her concert appearances in Europe 
North America and South America have been outstanding events of the concert season. Just a few short years later, she would go through a period of nearly two years where she gave very few performances whatsoever. There was a distinct vocal crisis. Things really fell apart. And it's a pity. You hear a real... Mm. She sings with not reserve here and not restraint, but guts and taste, both. It's really remarkable, actually, on this recording. This record features old Italian songs. Most beginning voice students will remember the 24 Italian songs and arias published by G. Shermer. We always called it 24 Dago ditties, but we were not terribly sensitive or enlightened people. We were just trying to be cute. I wonder if people still call it that. I don't know. Those years are long behind me, but I remember well the 24 Italian songs and arias. And I would say probably about half of the songs that she does on here are from that book. The first one, by Vivaldi, is called Un Certo Non So Che. I don't believe it's in that book, but that it, it, it is in a couple other collections of that sort of material. The text is pretty typical for this type of repertoire. Something that I can't quite name is passing through my heart, and it's not sadness, Maybe it's love. I don't know. It's certainly consuming me and it's throwing off my equilibrium. Let's put it that way. Anyway, un certo non so che. Oh, 
next song by Carissimi, I did not know. It's called Piangete Aime. Of course, it's all about the miseries of love. Love will be able to identify his followers by those that are in tears and weeping.
This next song did not appear in the Dago Ditties anthology, but it is an all-time favorite of mine. It is Hendel's La Pianga, the aria of Almirena from Rinaldo. It has been recorded by everyone from Claudia Muzio in 1922 to Barbara Streisand in 1976. Right smack dab in the middle, we find Fedora Barbieri, and this is really one of the touchstone performances on this disc. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do.
This next one is a song by Cavalli. Before Cavalli even had a renaissance, I would say his renaissance really happened in the late 60s and very early 70s when Raymond Lepard did various operas of his at Glindbourne, including La Callisto with Janet Baker and Iliana Kotrubash in 1971. By the way, at the mention of Janet Baker's name, I just have to say thank you all so much for the wonderful comments and notes and communications that you sent to me, letting me know how much you enjoyed that last marathon episode with Dame Janet. I never call her Dame Janet. I just call her JB. We're on a familiar basis, clearly. <laughs> anyway, back to the Cavalli. It's called Affe. Mi fate ridere, which means, oh gosh, you're just making me laugh. Why are you making me laugh? Because every single time you see another beautiful face, you fall in love all over again. This is from the opera Cerse, which one of my pupils actually sang in last year in the UK. I didn't know the piece before. I mean, this Affe mi fate ridere, it's charming, it's cute, it's certainly one of the most light-hearted numbers in here. the thumping and screaming children have just come home. I'm so excited. I hope you get to hear some of their shenanigans as they disrupt my recording session. <laughs> Gotta love them. Can't complain. Oy, what, a, what a weird world we're in right now. Anyway, this next song, Se Tu Mami, is very, very well known. It used to be credited to Pergolesi. I think that by now we know that it really was a false attribution. Might even be by Parisotti, the one who edited one album of Arie Antiche. The song is charming nonetheless, and none other than Claudia Muzio also recorded this song. Quite charmingly, but I think that Barbieri is 
at her most sparkling here. If you love me, if you sigh for me, gentle shepherd, that's all well and good. But you know what? Don't expect me to give up everybody else for you. Who are you kidding? Just because I like the lily doesn't mean that I'm going to disdain every other flower. <laughs> Here's another very familiar song. This is from Paisiello's opera La Molinara. It's called Nel Cor Più Non Mi Sento. Often it's done as a series of variations, each repetition a little bit more ornamented than the one before. But uh, Fedora doesn't really bother with that. She just gives it to us. I don't feel happiness anymore. And guess what? As in practically every other song on this record. It's all love's fault. Because it's just picking and pinching and punching me. It's torturing me. Oh, oh, oh. 
Okay, it's time to flip the record over, and I'm just going to take a moment to thank the people who have already pledged their support to me on Patreon and who have subscribed to the podcast. I'm going to make a real concerted effort in the next couple weeks to really increase my subscriber base and to possibly get a few more people to pledge their support to me as well. You can do that by going to my Patreon page at patreon.com slash You can offer your support to me at whatever monthly amount you care to donate. If you are not able to contribute, please subscribe on any of the usual podcast platforms. So thank you very much for that. I also want to say a word about Dick Marzolo, who is Barbieri's pianist here. First of all, he was one of the principal coaches at the Met in those years. He worked with other Italian singers, Licia Albanese. He made a companion album to this one with the Italian tenor Giacinto Prandelli, which is absolutely wonderful. It includes some of the boy songs, I guess we would call them. I don't know. I like it a lot, and I like Prandelli a lot, and I will probably put that on a future episode. Dick Marzolo also worked with Toscanini when he was conducting the NBC Symphony for all of the broadcasts of the Verdi operas, for instance. That's Dick Marzolo. He's difficult to find information about, but he was an important figure at the time, that's for sure. Let's see what's on side two here. We begin with the Claudio Monteverdi Lamento d'Arianna, Lasciatemi Morire. Monteverdi's opera Arianna is unfortunately lost, except for this very brief moment where Arianna is asking for death because she's suffering so greatly from guess what else? Love. And by the way, here's a point of reference between Fedora Barbieri and Arlene Saunders, because here Barbieri is singing the Lamento d'Arianna, and Arlene Saunders was particularly celebrated for her Ariadne of Naxos. So it's a little bit of a stretch, but there you go. Thank you. 
The next song is by Antonio Caldara, Come Raggio di Sol. It's one of the popular ones in the 24 Italian songs. Just as the ray of sun shines on the placid waters without revealing the turbulence underneath, so the smile on a face can hide the torment that is surging underneath. The next is an aria from Demofonte of Luigi Cherubini. By the way, I should note that when Maria Callas premiered her Medea in Firenze, Fedora Barbieri was at her side singing the role of Neris. 
a role which particularly suited her. I'm not sure of the story of Demofonte, and forgive me for that, but I can tell you that, surprise, surprise, she's in an extreme situation. She begins by saying, this may be my last day on earth, and her husband, her protector, is gone, and what is her cruel father going to do if he were to find out about her secret marriage? And by the way, oh yes, there's a child as well. And therefore she resolves that she better try and stay alive to keep her child safe. Ai che forse ai miei di l'ultima aurora splende.
This next song is much lighter and extremely popular and familiar. Le Violette by Alessandro Scarlatti. I think this is also from an opera. Mm, I want to say something like Demetrio something. Yeah, it's Pirro e Demetrio. Who knew that? Although I'm sure some early music person is probably going to pull that one out of mothballs as well. Here's the charming song Le Violette, which has been recorded by everyone from Tito Schipa to Ellie Amling. And here is Barbieri at her absolute most charming. You know, this is one thing I want to point out about her. Really, she has a matchless way with projecting the text, bringing out the meaning of the text. In fact, I found in an interview with her, she speaks about the importance of learning to sing recitativo. Primarily, she dedicates herself to the clarity and projection of the text, and it's what puts her performances really over the top and makes her unique and very special in my estimation. This next song is called either Il 
mio bel fuoco o quella fiamma. It's by Benedetto Marcello, also from the... And I remember in my experience, this is a song that voice teachers give to any student who seems to show the slightest bit of temperament. I'm thinking specifically of a young singer that I knew back in the day when I was just starting out in undergraduate, and everyone was very excited about her singing, except for her. She really didn't care. She sang this beautifully and then gave up singing. <laughs> so, but she had a little bit of a flame in her, the Quella Fiamma, like that uh, song about here. This is an expression of passion for a lover who lights a flame in the soul of the singer. It's implied that this person has a roving eye and has strayed, but the singer says, if you ever come back to me, I will wholly take you in my heart and never dream of anything else. It appears that Benedetto Marcello is not the composer of this song. More recent scholarship has pegged Francesco Conti as the probable composer. Now, to most of you, that probably sounds like a name that you've never heard of before. But I happen to remember it because my friend Derek Reagan years ago sang in an opera of Don Quixote that was composed by Conti. Here's Il Mio Bel Fuoco by Conti Marcello Whoever. Oh, <laughs> 
This last song uh, takes us back to Paisiello. This is called Chi vuol la zingarella. Hey guys, who wants the gypsy maiden? Come and get me, I'm here! <laughs> Basically is what it's saying. It's from an opera by Paisiello called I zingari in fiera, the gypsies at the fair. I had mentioned that the Zia Principessa in Puccini's Suara Angelica was one of Fedora Barbieri's best roles. Fedora Barbieri finally did return to the Met after many years of absence. I believe she sang quickly in the late 60s and again in the early 70s and then returned to do the Zia Principessa as well as Zita in Gianni Schicchi. I found a recording from February 1977 that was Fedora Barbieri's final performance at the Met. This is a portion of the confrontation between the Zia Principessa and Suara Angelica. Here, Angelica is 
is sung by the Polish soprano Teresa Zieliskara, who's one of my very, 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 very favorite singers. And now I've been totally inspired and I've been downloading stuff of her all day long. We will probably do an episode on her in the next couple weeks. Anyway, you'll hear a little bit of her as she tries to confront the Zia Principessa, who's very stern. You can hear Barbieri thumping her cane on the ground as she says the words, Espiare, espiare, repent, repent. And man, you hear what a tough cookie she is, but you also hear the suffering that this woman has put herself through.
That was Fedora Barbieri's final appearance at the Metropolitan Opera, although she continued to appear in opera as late as 2000 when she did a final outing as Mamma Lucia in Cavalleria Rusticana. You hear in that last clip that the voice was not what it had been, but within its narrow compass, she gives a hell of a performance. I remember hearing this on the radio at the time and thinking it sounded just dreadful. It's not so bad. It's not so bad. Fedora Barbieri died on the 4th of March 2003 in Florence at the age of 82.
Next week, I have a very special program planned, probably the last for the time being of our Mezzo Madness series. I think Fidora Barbieri certainly claimed her place in the pantheon of mad mezzos. I hope that you enjoyed her, and I look forward to bringing you another very, very special mezzo soprano next week. Until then, my dear friends, as always, keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Gundlach. See you next week.